Welcome to our first podcast of the spring of 2022. Here at the Voice of the Arts with your host, yours truly, Joe Weber. Buds are showing on the trees, flowers are blooming, and perhaps it isn't the best time to think about our mortality. But our following humorist has written very specific instructions as to his funeral and the disposition of his remaining possessions. To My Relatives by Jack Handy Dear Relatives, If you are reading this, I am dead or I am close to death, or you have been snooping through my papers. Let's assume that I am dead. I hereby request that you, my relatives and kin, carry out my wishes regarding the following. My letters. As you will see in the garage, boxes number 12 through 26 contain my letters. I have saved every letter I have ever received, including letters from collection agencies. Please go through the letters, reading each one, and divide them into important and unimportant letters. I donate the important letters to you, my relatives, to divide fairly among yourselves. I urge you to go back through the unimportant letters and see if there might still be some important ones in there. My pets. Please adopt and provide loving homes for my dogs, Snappy and Bitey, my cat, Sprayer, and my goldfish, Methuselah. My clothing. Please help yourself to my suits. You will notice that because of my unusual physique, the suit pants are size extra, extra large and extra, extra, extra large, while the suit jackets are size tiny and extra tiny. My library. Please donate my collection of books, all five of them, to the local library. Porno. Also, please donate my pornography collection, boxes 30 to 45, to the local library. My coins. In the attic, you will find many, many quart jars of pennies. I'm not sure how many. Please spend these pennies on whatever you would like. You may want to cash them in at the bank. However, I'm told that banks will not accept pennies unless they are wrapped in coin wrappers. Maybe that could be a family project to remember me by. My guns. As some of you know, I have many guns scattered throughout the house. Most are loaded, so please be careful opening drawers, closets, and medicine cabinets. My push lawnmower. Please donate this to Goodwill after first cleaning off all the bits of grass and dog poop that have got stuck on it over the years. Also, please sharpen the blades with a hand sharpener, somewhere in box 28. Oil and rebalance the wheels. My car. Sorry, but it's still stuck in the surf at Party Beach. It's yours if you can tow it out. My murder. Please send an anonymous letter to the police claiming that my friend Don killed me. My safe deposit box. Attached to this letter is a key. It is the key to my safe deposit box. Take the key to the bank and open the box. Inside, you will find another key. This is the spare key to the box. Take both keys to the bank officer in charge of safe deposit boxes and close out the account. 
You may have to fill out some paperwork and pay for back rent. Trapdoor. The trapdoor no longer works. I think the neighborhood kids broke it. Please cover the button with a piece of duct tape. Skull. As you've probably noticed, there is a human skull on the shelf in the dining room. This was sold to me as the skull of Khrushchev, the Russian leader. It was a damned lie. I don't even think it's Russian. Still, it's pretty cool. First dibs gets it. Suggestion. As a funny gag, put a cigarette between its teeth like he's smoking it. My wind chimes. As you know, I have more than a hundred wind chimes hanging down from the eaves of my house. Please help yourself. Unfortunately, some of the wind chimes have been damaged by the next door neighbors. My remains. Please have me cremated. Then form the ashes into the shape of me. Then deep fry me. Then bury me with full military honors, even though I was never in the military. My house. A real estate agent told me that my house, if it were totally renovated, plumbing, electrical, roof, etc., and if the bats and raccoons and yellow jackets could be expelled from the attic, and if somehow the house's tilt could be fixed, would sell for about what I paid for it 40 years ago. I smell another family project. Girl. Tonight we're gonna make love. You know how I know? Because it's Wednesday. And Wednesday night is the night that we usually make love. Monday night is my night to cook. Tuesday night we go and visit your mother. But Wednesday we make sweet weekly love. It's when everything is just right. There's nothing good on TV. You haven't had your after work social sports team practice so you're not too tired. Oh, it's all on. You lean in and whisper something sexy in my ear like, I might go to bed now, I've got work in the morning. I know what you're trying to say, girl. You're trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. in the bathroom brushing our teeth that's all part of the foreplay I love foreplay then you sort out the recycling that isn't part of the foreplay process but it is still very important next thing you know we're in the bedroom you're wearing that baggy old ugly t-shirt you got from your work several years ago you know the one, baby, with the curly stain. I remove my clothes very, very clumsily, tripping sensuously over my pants. Now I'm naked, except for my socks 
And you know when I'm down to just my socks What time it is a little more cowbell. <laughs> so, let's take it again. And Gene, yeah. really explore the studio space this time. You got it, Bruce. I mean, really. Yeah. Explore the space. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. Roll it. He's not an ashes hauler. Still, he's not a gigolo. And he's not a spoof and staller like the mugs I used to know. There is art in high comes, and gee, you ought to see him go. He's my unusual man. He's handsome as a parlor, and he's classic in and out. Even sounder than a dollar, I know what I'm talking about. Never teases, lest he pleases, gee, I couldn't do without my sweet, unusual man. He does his duty without being told, he hasn't got any faults. I wouldn't give him for all of the gold that's in the treasurer's vault. He's gracious in the cities and he's gallant on the farms. If I look him in the eye, I'm just seducted by his charms. When I do, I hope to die. I want to fall into his arms. He's my unusual man. Now when he calls me to his parlor, I'm as helpless as a fly. I just can't resist a follow. Tell the truth, I never try. When I want him, I request it. When he wants me, he commands. But the way he does it to me, I'm a sap at his demands. Now, he's no hell in elocution, but there's feelings in his voice. If there is a hard solution, he can quickly make a choice. Now, we're ahead of any questions. He is standing at the bat. 
at a very mere suggestion. He is ready, quick as that. Oh, he has a technique no other man's got. At night and day, he's all set. No disappointments are ever my love. At least there's never been yet. Now he's used to getting what he wants. He's not the type to beg. And the kind who gets results if he has got to break a leg. He'd die with humiliation if he ever laid an egg. He's my unusual man. Hear me screaming. He's my unusual man. That was Trixie Smith with a tune called My Unusual Man. And before that, we heard Business Time, performed by the duo from New Zealand called Flight of the Concords. Bob Newhart has been active in situation comedies on TV for 50 years. Most people forget that he got his start doing stand-up comedy. I worked as an accountant for about two years in Chicago. I had a, got a degree in accounting, went into the Army during the Korean War. Remember that one? <laughs> and, uh, no benefits, and uh, I have held close to 30 separate accounting jobs in two years, which is like three weeks at each place, you know. I found one thing is true, that they always put you through an orientation program. You spend one week learning all the problems you're going to have to face in this new job. But invariably, after the week in orientation, the first problem you run into, your first day on the job, was never covered in any of, the, any of the sessions. Now, with this kind of prologue, this may seem kind of a jump. My favorite movie is King Kong, the monster movie. This is the greatest monster movie ever made. And the biggest scene, of course, the one you all remember from King Kong, is when King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. All right, now putting these two thoughts together. <laughs> this, <laughs> This is the night that King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. It's also the first night on the job for a new guard. See, this is his first night on the job. He's gone through a week's orientation on the problems he's going to face. And it happens to be the night that King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. Hello, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Nelson. Yes, this this is uh, Sam Hennessy, the, uh, the 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 new guard. Yeah, sir, I you know I hate to bother you at home like this on on my first night, but uh, <coughs> see, so, uh, something's come up, sir, and it, it's not it's not covered in in the guard's manual. I, I looked in the index. Y yes, sir. It, I, I looked under unauthorized personnel and, uh, and uh, people without passes and, and apes and apes' toes. Uh, apes and apes' toes. Yes, sir. Uh, there, there's an ape's toe uh, sticking through the window, sir. Well, uh, see, uh, see, this isn't your standard ape, sir. I mean. Uh, he's between uh, 18 and 19 stories high. Uh, 
d depending on, on whether there's a 13th floor or not. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, sir, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a rule against, uh, against apes shaking the building. <laughs> there, there, there is, yes. So I, I, I yelled at his feet, you know, I said, uh, I said, uh, a shoe ape, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to leave, sir. And uh, I, you know, I know how you like the new men to, to think on their feet, sir. So um, I, I went to the, the broom class, and I, I got out a broom uh, without, uh, you know, signing out a requisition on it. I, yeah, I will tomorrow, yes, sir. And, and, and I started hitting him on the toes with it, you, you see? But uh, it didn't seem to bother him too much. See, uh, there are these planes, sir, and they, they're flying around him, and, and they're shooting at him, you know? And they only seem to be bothering him a little bit, so, so I figured I wasn't doing too, too much good uh, with, with, with a broom. Did, did I try swatting him in the, in, in the face with it? Well, I, I, um, I was going to take the elevator up to his head, sir. <laughs> See, but uh, my, my jurisdiction only extends to his navel. <laughs> you, do, you, don't, you don't care what I do, just, just get the ape off the building. This, uh, this, this may complicate things a little. Uh, He's, uh, he's carrying a woman in his hand, sir. I, no, I, I don't think she works in the building. No, sir. Well, see, as he, as he passed by my floor, uh, she had this kind of negligee on, you know? So I, I doubt very much if, if she was one of the cleaning women, you, you know? You know? <laughs> well, well, sir, the first thing I did, I, I filled out a report on it. Well, I, no, I, I don't want to give the building a bad name either, sir, you know, but... Well, I doubt very much if we can cover it up, sir. You know. Well, you know, the, the planes are shooting at them, you know, and, uh, I mean, people are, are going to come to work tomorrow morning, and, and some of them are going to notice the ape in the street, you know, and... <laughs> and, uh, and, and the broken window, you know, and they'll start putting two and two together. You, I, I think we're safe on that score, sir. I, I, doubt, I doubt very much if he signed the book downstairs. Uh, uh, you, you, don't, you don't care what I do, just, just get the ape off the building. Well, I, I came up with one idea, sir, uh, but I'm not supposed to leave my post. Well, I, I thought maybe I could smear the Chrysler building with, with bananas. Up next, we have an audio clip from one of the opening scenes of A Night at the Opera starring the Marx Brothers. In this scene, Groucho, in the role of Otis P. Driftwood, an all-around scoundrel, is at a dinner table with an attractive young blonde woman, and his patron, Mrs. Claypool, is at another table. She begins to have him paged as he is an hour late for their dinner engagement. One memorable gag that comes up rather quickly is that when the bill for his dinner with the young blonde is presented to Groucho, 
He peruses it and then presents it to Mrs. Claypool, declaring, This is outrageous. I wouldn't pay it if I were you. This has become a standard routine in the Weber family, used and abused by both children and grandchildren. Gentleman is not alive yet. No, he has not. I'm afraid the dinner will be spoiled. What difference does it make? It's too late to dine now. Oh, boy. Yes, ma'am. Will you page Mr. Otis B. Driftwood, please? Mr. Otis B. Driftwood. Page Mr. Driftwood. Mr. Driftwood. <laughs> Mr. Driftwood. <laughs> Mr. Driftwood. Boy, will you do me a favor and stop yelling my name all over this restaurant? Do I go around yelling your name? Mr. Driftwood. Say, is your voice changing or is somebody else paging me around here? Mr. Driftwood. Why, Mrs. Claypool, hello. Mr. Driftwood, you invited me to dine with you at 7 o'clock. It is now 8 o'clock and no dinner. What do you mean, no dinner? I just had one of the biggest meals I've ever ate in my life. And no thanks to you, either. I've been sitting right here since 7 o'clock. Yes, with your back to me. When I invite a woman to dinner, I expect her to look at my face. That's the price she has to pay. You check, sir. $9.40? This is an outrage. If I were you, I wouldn't pay it. Now then, Mrs. Claypool, what are we going to have for dinner? You've had your dinner. All right, we'll have breakfast. Waiter. Yes, sir. Have you uh, got any milk-fat chicken? Yes, sir. Well, squeeze the milk out. I want to bring me a glass. Yes, sir. Mr. Driftwood, three months ago, you promised to put me into society. In all that time, you've done nothing but draw a very handsome salary. You think that's nothing, huh? How many men do you suppose are drawing a handsome salary nowadays? Why, you can count them on the fingers of one hand, my good woman. I'm not your good woman. Don't say that, Mrs. Claypool. I don't care what your past has been. To me, you'll always be my good woman, because I love you. There. I didn't mean to tell you, but you, you dragged it out of me. I love you. It's rather difficult to believe that when I find you dining with another woman. That woman? Do you know why I sat with her? Because no. she reminded me of you. Really? Of course. That's why I'm sitting here with you. Because you remind me of you. Your eyes, your throat, your lips. Everything about you reminds me of you. Except you. How do you account for that? She figures that one out, she's good. Mr. Driftwood, I think we'd better keep everything on a business basis. How do you like that? Every time I get romantic with you, you want to talk business. I don't know, there's something about me that brings out the business in every woman. All right, we'll talk business. You see that man over there eating spaghetti? No. Well, you see the spaghetti, don't you? Now, behind that spaghetti is none other than Hyman Gottlieb, director of the New York Opera Company. Do you follow me? Yes. Well, stop following me. I'll have you arrested. Now, I have arranged for you to invest $200,000 in the New York Opera Company. I don't understand. Don't you see? You'll be a patron of the opera. You'll get into society. Then you can marry me, and they'll kick you out of society. And all you've lost is $200,000. Oh, Mr. Driftwood. Ah, Gutlieb, uh, allow me. Uh, Mrs. Claypool, Mr. Gutlieb. Mr. Gutlieb, Mrs. Claypool. Mrs. Claypool, Mr. Gutlieb. Mr. Gutlieb, Mrs. Claypool. Mrs. Claypool, I could go on like this all night, but it's tough on my suspenders. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Mrs. Claypool, Mr. Gutlieb, Mr. Gutlieb, Mrs. Claypool, Mrs. Claypool, Mr. Gutlieb, Mr. Gutlieb, Claypool. Now, if you four people want to play bridge, don't mind me. Go right ahead. <laughs> Mrs. Claypool, I am so happy. I just wanted to see if your rings were still there. Oh, Mrs. Claypool, you're as charming as you are beautiful. I'm afraid you've used that speech before, Mr. Gutlieb. Now listen here, Gutlieb. Making love to Mrs. Claypool is my racket. What you're after is $200,000. And you better make it sound plausible, because incredible as it may seem, Mrs. Claypool isn't as big a sap as she looks. How's that for lovemaking? 
I think the Europeans do it better. All right, Gottlieb, it's your turn. You take a whack at it. And keep it clean. <laughs> Mrs. Claypool, it is most generous of you to help us. Now, you have, of course, heard of Rudolfo Laspari. Oh, of course. Oh, he's the greatest tenor since Caruso. Yes. Tonight, uh, with the money you so generously provide, I sign Laspari for the opera company. He will be a sensation. All New York will be at your feet. Well, there's plenty of room. And now the, uh, the opera awaits us. If you both will honor me by occupying my box. I should be charmed. And you, Mr. Trichet? Well, uh, I'll join up with you later. And listen, Gottlieb, Nick's on the lovemaking because I saw Mrs. Claypool first. Of course, her mother really saw her first, but there's no point in bringing the Civil War into this. The following piece is called Please Read Before Suing. It's written by Larry Doyle and appears in the Shouts and Murmurs section of the New Yorker magazine dated February 5th, 2007. Dr. Goodbody's total good body system is such a revolutionary and completely natural way to eliminate all your health problems that it's quite common for people to feel frightened before using it and to feel disoriented and more frightened afterward. Before calling our customer service line or 911, we suggest that you sit down, drink eight glasses of water, and read our responses to the following testimonials submitted by other satisfied customers, just like yourself. From Jay Lowell in Charlottesville, Virginia. $750 for a 30-day supply? That's $25 a pill. Isn't that a lot of money? Not when you consider that that comes to just about a dollar an hour. A dollar for an hour free of all your pains and complaints? Wouldn't you pay a dollar to feel like a million bucks? You'd have to be crazy not to. And it's not merely a pill. Each Dr. Goodbody's Total Goodbody System Daily Bolus contains the entire line of trademark Dr. Goodbody solutions, including Cola Rooter, Blood Flush, Tumor Stopper, and several other remedies that are no longer available in most states. That's why each pill weighs nearly three ounces and why we recommend that you take it with eight glasses of water and the supplied lubricant. C. Mason of Brooklyn, New York writes, my doctor has strongly warned me against trying your system and told me not to come crying to him when my insides fall out. Of course your doctor would say that. T. O'Donnell of Sherman Oaks, California writes, I've been taking my daily bolus with eight glasses of water for three weeks now and have seen none of the results graphically depicted on your website. Instead, I have gained 60 pounds and have become so bloated I no longer have fingerprints. What am I doing wrong? You need to increase the size of the glasses of water, but keep the total number of glasses to eight. D. Meyer of Madison, Wisconsin writes, I smell burning hair. That means it's working. Other evidence that Dr. Goodbody's total good body system is detox cleansing, immunoblasting, and revitalizing your insides includes headaches, nausea, vomiting, vomiting from places other than the mouth, tiny voices, rapid cycling, hypo and hypertension resulting in staggering about with protruding eyeballs, cacophonous bowel sounds, muscle and joint pain that feels like slow roasting, inability to urinate, inability to cease urinating, sudden double jointedness, cotton mouth mouth, itching in an unreachable location, athlete's face, knee sap, extremely offensive odor that smells like strawberries to you, undead feeling, migrating love handles, reverse vertigo, cravings for bees and other sweet insects, jolly lips, full body sloughing, jazz hands, visible bubbles in the blood, eye hair, abdominal rash that spells, let me out uncontrollable urge to contact attorneys, laughing buttocks, and a blinding but oddly comforting white light. If the burning hair smell continues for more than a day and your hair is not actually burning, which happens in only a small number of cases, there is a very slight possibility that you are having a stroke. If so, please seek help immediately by going online and ordering Dr. Goodbody's Brain Reboot. Choose overnight shipping. 
Jay Terman of Bangor, Maine writes, I think I just passed my spine. That was your old spine. Rest assured that Dr. Goodbody's all-natural nanobiotic health knots are busily constructing a new spine for you with fresh discs and state-of-the-art wiring. We think you're going to like it a lot. Do not be alarmed if at first your new spine feels somewhat gelatinous. This is a great time to try out all those frustrating yoga positions. M. Givelry of Lancaster, California writes, No one is answering the guaranteed money-back hotline. All our operators are busy taking testimonials from satisfied customers like yourself, or they may be in the bathroom. We recommend that you drink eight glasses of water and stay on the line for as long as you can. The preceding, called Please Read Before Suing, was written by Larry Doyle and appeared in the Shouts and Murmurs section of the New Yorker magazine, dated February 5th, 2007. She don't like her eggs all runny She thinks crossing her legs is funny She looks down her nose at money She gets it on like the Easter bunny She's my baby, I'm her honey I'm never gonna let her go He ain't got laid in a month of Sundays Caught him once and he was sniffing my undies He ain't too sharp but he gets things done Drinks his beer like it's oxygen But he's my baby and I'm his honey Never gonna let him go In spite of ourselves We'll end up sitting on a rainbow Against all odds Honey, we're the big door prize We're gonna spike Our noses right off of our faces there won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. She thinks all my jokes are corny Convict movies make her horny She likes ketchup on her scrambled eggs Swears like a sailor when she shaves her legs She takes a licking and keeps on ticking I'm never gonna let her go He's got more balls than a big brass monkey He's a whacked out weirdo and a love bug junkie Sly as a fox, crazy as a loon Payday comes and he's a howling at the moon But he's my baby, I don't mean maybe Never gonna let him go In spite of ourselves We'll end up sitting on a rainbow Against all odds Honey, we're the big door prize We're gonna spike Our noses right off of our faces there won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. In spite of ourselves, we'll end up a sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, 
Honey, we're the big door prize. Oh, we're gonna spite our noses right off of our faces. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. In spite of ourselves. Closing out the show with John Prine and Iris Dement singing In Spite of Ourselves. Folks, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. This is Joe Weber saying so long from the Voice of the Arts. (laughs) ¶¶